Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Okay, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Salatu wa salamu ala rasulihi al-kareem. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Alhamdulillahi shakirin. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Looks like days go so fast and time run without any delay and never stops whether we like it or not. Only a couple of weeks ago arrived here and about to leave. Hopefully, inshallah, we'll see you in the near future, hopefully when I come back. Anyway, the topic today is an interesting topic. Uh, the brothers picked the topic or picked series, uh, several topics, and then I chose one of them. Uh, and they don't look uh, familiar. These are not the classic topics. It's a topic about imagination, dreaming. Can we imagine? Can we dream? Uh, this land, America, is known to be the land of dreams. That's what the people of Europe, when they were migrating to America, this is how they provoked the people and promoted them and uh, gave them the incentives. Oh, go there. It's the land of dreams. That's where you can achieve your dreams. And then the issue as Muslims Muslims, we are very realistic. We believe in Allah Azza wa Jal. Reality is always there. So supposedly, someone said, imagination dreams are not part of our life. Maybe yes, maybe no. But let's see. Because this word, uh, imagination or dreams. Now, of course, when we talk about dreams, dreams usually is the thing that you see in your, uh, in your sleep. So let's put the word dream aside and talk about it, the daydream or imagination, or expectation, because what's imagination? It's expectation. You expect something, but you expect something out of the world, something beyond what's available now, something that's, that doesn't seem to be realistic, something that seems to be way beyond your abilities. And let me give examples before I start talking deeply. One example is... I will start with this example of Suraqa bin Malik. Suraqa is a person in Mecca. He was kafir, he was mushrik. And the time when the Prophet ﷺ was migrating to Medina, so the people of Quraysh, they put a ransom, ransom on the life of the Prophet. Anyone who can chase Muhammad, peace be upon him, and his companion Abu Bakr, and find them, bring them back to Quraysh, then he will be rewarded with 100 camels. 100 camels, one time for a man probably that he owned almost nothing in, in Mecca. That's a promise. That's something for him. It's beyond his imagination. And all it takes is to follow a man, to chase him in the desert and to bring him back. What does that take? It takes courage, takes adventure, takes planning. You can do it. Usually, it may not be safe, but it's risk. I will take the risk 
and I will go after that. So that's number one. So there is number one, somebody promoted someone, provoked him, provoked some in instincts in him. Look, you can become rich tomorrow. Just do this for me. But I could get killed. I could get lost. There's a desert which, where nobody knows where this man called Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa moved. It's absolutely wide open area. It's like a 3D where you move and there are millions and millions and millions of paths where he could be in. It is nothing but imagination or a dream. So the man took the task. Suraka took, the, not only him, by the way. Hundreds of the people of the young men in Mecca, they just spread all around looking for that person in, <coughs> in anticipation and expectation of getting 100 camels. Suraka finds Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was able to catch him. And he was approaching him. And while he was approaching him, Allah Azza wa Jal, of course, he promised that he will save his prophet. And he will make this message victorious. So there is no way in the world that this Suraka will take Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, take him back. It's against the will of Allah Azza wa Jal. And here comes the issue. So the horse of Suraka, the knees of the horse, they uh, drown in the sand. They sink in the sand. And of course, if you sink in the sand few inches, it becomes almost impossible to get out. Actually, even if you, if you don't have a camel, if you have a car that gets a little bit sunk in the sand, it will not move. And if it's about a few inches, maybe 10 or 15 inches, even if you have a four-wheel drive, you cannot do it. And if you go about a half meter, almost to the knees of the, of the horse, if your car, even if you have a big truck, that sinks in the sand, it will not move. Leave alone a horse. So this is the issue now. Here is the catch. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam looks back and Suraka. Until Suraka, I know that what you have come for. You have come after me so that they give you the ransom, which is 100 camels. What if, what if you return back to Mecca now? Just go. Don't even try to chase me any, anymore. And instead of the 100 camels, I promise you that you will get the bracelets of the Tsar of Russia. The bracelets of the Tsar of Russia with gold diamonds, they are worth not only 100 camels, probably 1,000 camels. That is just a promise. And the man takes the promise and leaves. Immediately his horse becomes runnable. He runs with his horse back. That is something that this man, Suraka, I'm pretty sure he had never seen bracelets. Leave alone the bracelets of the Tsar. Leave alone the real value, how much that value is. It's beyond his imagination, at least until that time. So from that point, his imagination now starts thinking, going, what these bracelets are, how much they weigh, how much they cost, what's their value? Am I really going to get them? And when I'm going to get them, that is something you invite the imagination of a human to go wild, to go wild. But the difference here, the difference is that the one who made the promise and who provoked 
the imagination of Suraqa is a prophet, is a messenger. But Suraqa did not believe that this man is a prophet. That's why he was chasing him. Had he believed in him as a messenger, he could have been a Muslim and he could have, he could have been fighting to protect him. He's not a Muslim. He's pure human. Just like all the humans, all the people who migrated to the U.S. looking for the gold uh, uh, rush. And they moved and thousands and thousands and thousands of them died in the way to California. Either eaten by wolves, dying out of hunger, getting lost in the uh, wonderland, or being killed by uh, people who, are, who, who faced them on the, on the way, and so on. Thousands and thousands of people, they really lost their lives in a rush for gold based on a promise, based on imagination what that gold would mean to them. And here is a man, Suraqa bin Malik, similarly, he takes the word that I am waiting for the gold and the silver and the bracelets of the Tsar. Sometime it will happen. It may happen. It could happen. That's an example. I'll give another example, and then I will move into the pure Aqidah perspective of that. When the, the battle of a ditch or the Khandaq, Ghazwatul Khandaq, was taking place, and here comes the gangs of Quraysh and the, uh, the tribes from the Jewish tribes around Medina and many tribes in different cities, they all ganged and they called them Al-Ahzab, the allies, just like the allies today, we have allies, America, Britain, France, oh, France is shaky, but uh, the rest of the countries, they are allies. There were allies who ganged against Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and they came to invade Medina and to crush this rising Islamic state. You all know the story. And it was really very bad situation. And the Quran in Surah Al-Ahzab talks about it in a manner that these Muslims, their hearts jumped into up to their throats. Their hearts, they were uh, pumping so fast and beating so fast, so they really, as if they were rising up to their throats, that means they were very scared. And then they asked the Prophet wasallam. the Sahaba, they were wondering, what's going to happen to us? What's happening? And in one split of a second, someone was digging, when they were digging the holes and making the, the ditch stronger, uh, a spark of light came out of one of the stones. And the Prophet ﷺ immediately tells them, this is the sign of the collapse of the throne of the Tsar in Persia. Man, you are under attack. You are being chased by all of these kuffar, and you are hiding behind the ditch, and your people are so scared and frightened they don't have even a power to face the upcoming army, so you are hiding behind the ditch. And here you are telling them, just wait. I have just seen the throne of the Tsar in Persia collapsing. It will collapse. It will be burned. And you will be the inheritors of that one. What is this? Brings to the people at the time, the Sahaba, a time to imagine, a time to open your mind, open it up, open your horizons. I can 
I can as a Sahaba, as a Muslim, then I imagine myself, I imagine myself moving all the way into Persia, capturing the Tsar and taking over his throne and be sitting in his place. I can imagine that. The difference between simple imagination and wasted imagination is whether I will be able to do it or not, whether I will work for it or not. A third story, which will make, bring this whole thing in perspective. One of the Sahaba asked the Prophet ﷺ a question when they already have been provoked to think about the Romans and the Persians being defeated, and at some point of time we will win, we will grow, we will become super state, and we will take over the rest of the world. Once that was happening, someone was curious and said to the Prophet ﷺ, tell me, Ya Rasulullah, what, which city is going to be conquered first? The Constantinople, which is Istanbul today, what we call it, or Rome, which is the capital city of the Vatican and Italy. And he mentioned that the city of Heraclus, or Heracle Heraclus, the, uh, uh, the, the uh, capital city of the Eastern Byzantine problem, uh, Empire, in which is Constantinople, will be conquered first. And then he mentioned, Praise, all the praise is to the one, to the conqueror. And he called it the conqueror, the one who's going to conquer Al-Qustantiniyah. And to the army that's going to do that. Now, if you go to Istanbul, anybody had been to Istanbul visiting? There is a place in Istanbul called Ayyub. It's a big region. Big region like Al-Fatih. Al-Fatih is for Muhammad Al-Fatih, the one who actually conquered. And Ayyub is for Abu Ayyub Al-Ansari, is the one who was trying to conquer. Now imagine, here is Abu Ayyub Al-Ansari was one of the Sahaba of the Prophet As soon as the horizons opened up and the Islamic State started spreading, he became a soldier in each and every mission that was going to conquer Al-Qustantaniyya. That's what imagination, imagination being worked at. He opened up their imagination. Constantinople is going to be, uh, to be attacked and conquered. And the one who's going to conquer that, or all the army that's part of the conquest, is praised by Allah Azza wa Jalla. And there you'll find the uh, tomb or the place, the graveyard of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. And there is a masjid called Masjid Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. And then you would be saying, Masjid Abu Ayyub, tomb of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, who was in Medina, when did he have time to come to this place and die and be killed there and to become martyr? Oh, one of those millions of missions that were run time and time and time again in order to accomplish a task that the people dreamed about or imagined at one point of time, and the one who made them imagine that is the Prophet ﷺ. In other words, our Prophet ﷺ was provoking his people to imagine, to build imagination. And then he provoked them, and he taught them that you go after that. So for me now, to sit and imagine, today, are we going to be at one day in 10 Downing Street in London, ruling over the world from London, 
Oh, come on, guys, you're crazy. I'm not crazy. I am allowed to imagine. I'm allowed to open up my mind and to, to widen my horizon so I can see the 10 Downing Street, which is the source of all evils in the world today and yesterday, and hopefully not tomorrow, that this becomes under my control. And then say, oh, after all, I am a Muslim. I want to work like Abu Ayyub, like Suraqa bin Malik before he became a Muslim, before he accepted Islam. And by the way, to conclude the story of Suraqa, when Umar radiallahu conquered Persia with the army of Sa'd bin Abi Waqqas and Bilal uh, bin Rabah and the rest of the, of the Sahaba, and they brought to him all of the treasure of the Tsar, he asked, where is the bracelets of the Tsar? Show it to me. They, they brought him the bracelets. said, call me Suraka. Find me Suraka. They found Suraka. And he told them, this is what the Prophet ﷺ promised you. And he got it. So just so that we don't miss the, the, the complete story. And then even the complete story of Abu Ayyub. Later on, Muhammad al-Fatih, Muhammad the, conquer, the conqueror, he was able to conquer Al-Qustantiniyya. And from that time on, he was called Al-Fatih. Why Al-Fatih? Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam named him Al-Fatih. فَنَعْمَ الْفَاتِحُ فَاتِحُهَا وَنَعْمَ الْجَيْشُ جَيْشُهَا He called that the one who conquered Constantinople or Istanbul is Al-Fatih. So the idea here, today if I sit and start imagining something which is not absolutely impossible, but it sounds to be beyond the scope of this current realities, realities does not, realities do not tell me that Britain is collapsing anytime soon. That's reality. Reality does not tell me that the United States is as a power, as an international big power, is uh, 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 disappearing as a big power today or tomorrow. Reality is don't say that. Reality say this is a $30 trillion uh, country annually. It tells me it's a nuclear power. It tells me it's a heavy industry, industrial machine power. Uh, uh, yesterday, I was visiting the museum with my uh, grandson, Anas, Museum of Science and Industry, and I was standing next to the submarine and thinking, God, the complexity of the manufacturing is so big, so huge. There is too much involved. If you look beneath it, there are thousands and thousands of pieces connected together. How could it be possible to make this? And then where is the position where you put the torpedoes and the uh, engines? And it's amazing. It's strong. I mean, it's beyond my imagination to think that I can do that. But then I say, but tomorrow, if I have a state and I need to protect my state, I need a submarine, not of the caliber of the U-5 or U-505, but in the caliber of way beyond the submarines today in order to compete. Am I allowed to imagine like this? In fact, in fact, not only allowed, but I have to. I have to. It's a must. So when the Prophet ﷺ was invoking the people about Qustantiniyya, about Persian uh, throne, about Fort Suraqa, etc., when he was doing the, this way, he was actually asking the people to think about that. And the people took it seriously. Took it seriously. It's reality. It's serious. It's not something that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned for amusement or to comfort me at the time of the war with, 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 with Quraysh for the Ahzab. 
that was not the purpose. Because the Prophet knows that Allah will provide victory for his deen and the kuffar of Mecca are not going to crush him. He knows that. But the idea is that he wants his sahaba to be equipped with all of these futuristic type of thoughts which people call them imagination. So it's not out, out the scope of Islam. Now, having said that, let me shift a little bit and try to be more philosophical. When Allah in the Quran, in Surah Al-Baqarah, he talks about the characteristics of the believers. When he says, This book has indeed guidance for the people of Taqwa. Who are they? الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ First characteristic of the people who deserve to find guidance in the Quran are the ones who believe in ghayb. What is ghayb? What's the ghayb? Ghayb is everything that's outside the scope of your mind. Ghayb, something that's in obscenity, Let's say if there is something behind my back which I did not see, I did not touch, I did not smell, I did not observe, to me it's ghayb. If there is yet a big or bandit or gangster or animal, dangerous animal, coming from somewhere along the street of Irving Park or the, the, the other street, approaching here, which I don't see, and I have not the cameras did not report it to me. That's to me ghayb. That is ghayb. Absent, unseen, unrecognized, beyond the scope of my mind. When Allah Azza wa says, one of the most, one of the first characteristics of the believers who deserve and who can find guidance in the Quran is the ability to believe in something beyond the scope of my mind. What's beyond the scope of my mind? It's imagination. Something you have to, to, to visualize without seeing. It's like virtual, what we call it today, virtual reality or some images that comes to your mind and you believe in them. That is step number one, characteristic number one. And that's not the belief in the scene. Belief in the scene, you believe what you see. This is sometimes quite often we hear this word, oh, I only believe in what I see. You are absolutely limited to what you see. And what you see, what you, not, what you don't see, is way beyond what you see. Sometimes we call it the universal set, the universal set of things. People who study math or who know some algebra, there is a universal set, set of numbers. There is a set of objects. The universe the universe, which is the physical universe and the beyond physical universe, has enormous type of things. And if I say I only believe in the scene, that means I believe only in very, very, very limited issues in this world, which makes my brain, my mind this much compared to the, to the one who believes in the unseen, beyond. So when we say that imagination and trying to visualize things and to believe, to believe not only to, to, to build an image, to build an image and believe in it so that you can work for it, 
is absolutely necessary. It's absolutely necessary for believing in this Islam. In fact, let's go one step more detail. What's Al-Yawm Al-Akhir? The day after. The day after. I believe in the day after. Meaning what? Meaning that I believe that after my death, I will be resurrected one more time. After resurrection, there is going to be accountability. After accountability, someone will be rewarded and someone will be punished. And if you are rewarded, you go to Jannah. And if you go to Jannah, you find X, Y, Z. And if you go to Jahannam, you will find uh, W, X, Y, whatever. How do you know all of this? How could you even dare put them in your brain? How could you how could you have an image or a view, a possible view of something very precious on the day of judgment? The Jannah, where Allah talks about palaces with rivers flowing beneath those. And he talks about the ability, the ability to find each and every type of food you want right next to your hand. I can't even imagine that. Because today, if I want a fruit to eat it, I need somebody to put it on the table. And to, to be in the table, somebody to buy it in the market. And to buy it, buy it in the market, somebody has to cultivate the land and to, to grow the, the, the apples or the oranges so that it comes here. Allah says, no, you don't need all of this stuff. It will be immediately available. How can I imagine that? How can I even, how can I even try to think that I want to get there? To see it. That's ghayb. That's ghayb. That's the origin. That's the aqidah foundation of the ghayb or thinking beyond the scope of what the mind accepts or rejects or does not, cannot carry. So the belief in ghayb, the belief in the jannah, the belief in jahannam, the belief in the accountability, the belief in the resurrection, all of this is comes under the scope of believing in something beyond the scope of the mind, beyond the ability of the mind, beyond the limit of the mind. That's not within the limits of the mind, but I can do it. I can visualize it. In fact, not only you can visualize it, you can use it as a pretext for achieving big goals. And let me give the example. The Prophet ﷺ in Mecca passes my Bilal radiyallahu an, while he was being tortured in, in, uh, in the desert of Mecca by Umayyah bin Khalaf and passes by Sumayya and Yasser and Ammar who were, be, who were tortured by Abu Jahl and his elites and he stops by them and he talks to them to Al Yasser he says sabran ala Yasser be patient endure whatever you are going through I will see you in Jannah Mawid means I set up a time to meet. We will meet in Jannah. Where is Jannah? I am in, in, in torture. I am being tortured. And here is a man telling me, I will see you in Jannah. And telling Bilal radiallahu an the same thing. Bilal is saying, Ahadun Ahad. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi says, Bilal. Ahad will save you. How in the world? This word, Ahad, is going to save me. But then, if Bilal and Sumayya and Yasser and Ammar 
take these words and put them in their brain and allow the scope of their mind to be enlarged, to encompass. This is what is something beyond the seen and beyond the current world events. If I allow myself to do that, then no way Abu Jahl can force me to leave Islam. No way Umayyah bin Khalaf can, can break the resilience and the zeal of Bilal radiallahu anhu. And they couldn't. Why? Because here is a person who was able to inspire one with this something called beyond this world. It's not a simple imagination. It's way stronger than simple imagination. It's the belief in ghayb. Al-Iman of al-ghayb. And today, if I talk about political issues, if I start thinking, and many people tell me, brother, you have been working so many years, and I've seen you working, I've seen you traveling, and making all of these uh, discussions, lectures, talks, calls, getting in trouble with all types of things for an idea, for an idea that looks like a dream. In fact, it's a dream. Khilafah is a dream. I've heard this word many times. Sometimes when I say million times, it means many. So many times. MashaAllah, this idea is excellent, but it's a dream. It's imagination. I say, yes, of course. It is imagination. A dream in the sense it's not a night dream. It's a dream. But who says, who says that a dream should not be worked in order to achieve it? Who says that imagination cannot come true? Who says that if I build an image in my mind, I cannot make it happen? In fact, to be very engineering here, I will not be able to build a building unless I have an image of that building in my brain. Especially those who study architecture and they are architects, and sometimes they want to be innovators. I don't just want to replicate and copy and paste those buildings like here, say, oh, we have a piece of land like today at Masjid al-Jamil. The brother was saying we have this piece of land and we want to do some marvelous type of Islamic center and school. And then if someone comes in and creates an image for something with innovation, innovation in terms of energy, innovation in terms of uh, uh, utilizing the space, innovative in, in, in terms of uh, making this whole place uh, uh, in a manner that really makes the person who sits there feel comfortable and doesn't want to leave. I don't know how to do that, but if someone here has those concept design and can make some image in his brain and translate that image on a paper and later on translate this image from the paper to reality, it becomes real. And therefore, when I say, yeah, it is imagination, I'm imagining, I'm imagining my state. I have a view, I have a vision of what the Khilafah state looks like. I have a vision and a view of who is standing somewhere and trying to block my way. And therefore, I have this image as if I see all of these forces that are trying to put me down. And I have an image of the way to counter them. I build all of this image, and then who says I cannot make it true? Not only that, when I go back now to Al-Ghayb, 
I'll go back to my guidance. Allah Azza wa Jal is my guide. Not one to one, but Allah Azza wa Jal made this guidance in the Quran, in the Sunnah. He sent messengers, and one of the messengers he sent is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He gave him the Quran, and in this Quran he gave all of this. Everything to him is revealed, so that's my guidance. And when Allah Azza wa Jal tells me, وَعَدَ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَا يَسْتَخْلِفَنَّهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ كَمَا اسْتَخْلِفَنَّ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ Allah had promised those who believe and perform the good deeds that he will establish the khilafah for them in the same manner as he did for other people. And today, well, with other people before us at the time of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they had to face tiny little powers compared to the powers we have today. They did not have tyrants like Assisi. Abu Jahl was a tyrant, but not like Assisi. Al-Walid bin al-Mughira was a tyrant, but not like Bashar al-Assad. The Persians and the Romans were strong and powerful, but they were not equipped with military and nuclear arsenal and power like the United States and the Britain and the France and Russia and China uh, and all of these powers. So Allah Azza wa Jal, when he says, look, I will make this Khilafah come back by the same token as I have made the Khilafah come in the first place. Can I build my imagination around that? Of course I can. Because now, it's not only my pure image of my mind, I have a support. I have something that I can rely on. And that's the difference between me and the others between us and the others. Now, yes, I do build an image. It's not an image that only requires funding, like that concept design about a masjid which I just talked about. That requires probably good funding, lots of money. Instead of the $5 million they are talking about, maybe you need $50 million to build that absolutely enormous, magnificent type of masjid or Islamic center. True, it does need the funding. But this one, what I'm relying on for that image, which is in my mind to be realized, I'm relying on the support and the power of Allah Azza wa Jal, the Almighty, the one who created this world. When Allah Azza wa Jal says in, 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 in one ayah in Surah Al-An'am to Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I want you to tell them, قُلْ Ya Muhammad, Say, inna Allah qadr. Allah is indeed able and capable. Qadrun. Ala ayyatiyahum, ayyatiyakum bi'adhabin min fawqikum. He can bring you a torture and a punishment from above your heads. Wa min tahti arjulikum. Or from, or aw min tahti arjulikum. Or from beneath your, your feet, from, from the ground. Aw yalbisakum shia. He can disrupt your gatherings and disintegrate the unity of those who gang against you. And make you fight one another so you do not fight my, my worshippers. That was the time when Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in fact, this surah was revealed. One of the causes of the revelation of this surah, the fact that Abu Jahl found Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he threatened him very badly and prevented him and stopped him from going to the Kaaba and to 
announce about Islam and talk about Islam. He was absolutely overpowered. And then the story goes that Hamza radiallahu anhu comes from whatever he was doing in the desert, hunting the deers or other uh, big animals. Somebody tells him that, look, Abu Jahl just assaulted and insulted and uh, uh, prevented your nephew Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam from doing love, love, love. And then Hamza becomes a Muslim. So that was, now, that just to give some... Uh, uh, nice spirit to the story, which is real. But the issue here is that this ayah was revealed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam at the time when he was not even able to practice his daily practices of da'wah, just to go out and talk to the people. They stopped. And here Allah azza wa jal says, tell them, tell them that your Rabb, Allah, inna Allah qadir, Allah is capable of doing one, two, or three. Actually, and there are four things, and the fourth is included with the third. Punish you from above, punish you from below, or uh, what was the third one? Or they, they disrupt your unity, disintegrate your unity, and make you fight one, one another so that Islam can rise. That's in the Quran. So what makes me different from the people who say we have imagination and we can make our imagination come true is the fact that I am supported by Allah Azza wa Jal. Is the fact that Allah Azza wa Jal, he gave indications about some of these things. In fact, if you read the Quran carefully, you'll find tens of places, if not hundreds, that talk about what could happen in the future for you. What could happen and what you could rely on because it's Allah Azza wa Jal who's saying that. Just imagine and work for your imagination. So if somebody comes and tell me, oh brother, about the Khilafah, let me tell you, you are imagining. I say, Alhamdulillah, true. I am imagining. But my image in my brain, I put an image in my brain so that I visualize it, I realize it, and I make it real. And to make it real and to go after it, I know Allah Azza wa Jal will support it, so I do have a power. Now, if you are tell, telling me that my belief in Allah is imagination. Okay, now we understand what's the ground of the toe. You don't believe in Allah altogether. So it's not that you think I am imagining. It's actually you don't believe in Allah. So that's the issue. Then the issue becomes aqidah. The issue does not remain whether khilafah is a real and it will be real or not, whether I am realistic or not. It becomes that actually you are giving this type of term in order to deter the people to say this guy is crazy. All of his, what he's talking about is just pure imagination. There is nothing wrong with imagination. In fact, as I started saying here, this whole country, United States was built on this concept. Concept of dream. Isn't this what Martin Luther was uh, uh, talking and discussing in his speeches? I have a dream. Didn't this become a slogan? Not only for the African-Americans, but for the many deprived people. So the issue is not with the dream. The issue is not with the image. The issue is not with the imagination. The issue is what is it that you are relying on to make this dream come true, to make this image being realized. As a Muslim, as a Muslim, 
everything that Allah Azza wa Jal talked to me about that will happen outside the scope of my mind, it is what can be termed as imagination. But it's an imagination which is believing in the ghaib that's beyond my, my ordinary capability to believe in because I don't see it. Allah Azza wa Jal gave me the opportunity to imagine it. He gave me lots of glimpses, lots of examples. How many ayat about Jannah are there? How many ayat about Jahannam? Have you ever heard or saw or seen a tree growing in, in a fire? Usually you have a fire to do what? To burn trees, to burn wood, correct? Now if somebody makes a fire, instead of putting some wood and making the uh, mandi or making the uh, biryani with that, is growing a tree. Can you think of that? Allah Azza wa Jal is giving you the possibility to imagine a tree that's growing in the, in the core of Jahannam. Shajaratul Zakkum. This is a tree that grows in the core of Jahannam. And then not only that, he says, you know, I want to tell you something about its fruit. It has a fruits that looks like the heads of the devils. Have you seen the devil? No. Have you seen a tree that has a fruit that looks like a devil? Of course not. But Allah Azza wa Jal is asking you to bring this image into your brain so you avoid that. In order to avoid having the, the opportunity to, to, be, to, be, to be burned by that tree or to eat that fruit which is absolutely uneatable. So in other words, when Allah brings these issues in the Quran about the Jannah, about Jahannam, about the future, about the victories that will happen, about the defeats of the, uh, of the oppressors, of the regimes, of all of these oppressors, he really wants you to build that image in your brain so that when you work, when you start building your concepts, so you can do your work, you have those as a backup, something that supports you. You have something to rely on. It's not vacuum. So when I talk Khilafah, I have to understand what Khilafah is. Well, the Khilafah has been absent for the last hundred years. Have you seen the Khilafah? You did not. Have you lived in Khilafah? No. Have you lived in a state that's ruled by Islam? No. Have you seen Islamic system being implemented? No. Have you seen Islamic system where the zakah is part of the structure of the financial system? No. Have you seen, have you lived in a system where the Salah the Salah is being part of the political and economic and social system of a country? No. I've seen the Salah in the Masajid only. We haven't seen any of these. But in order to build my state, I have to imagine all of that. I have to build an image. Imagine means I build an image. I have to build an image of a state that's absolutely just, where the governor doesn't have any personal interest in being governor where the Khalifa does not take any personal interest in his Khilaf, where the financial institutions will not benefit anyone from those who run the state. That's difficult to imagine because every system around me is corrupt. And the corruption, when you talk about corruption in politics, in Japan, they jailed one or two prime ministers for corruption. Uh, the other day they talked about Sarkozy. 
French president spending one year in, they call it the, the forced, forced jail at home, and he could go to real jail. Why? Because he financed his election from public money. That's the least. The prime minister of the Jewish state, he's facing, he, he, was, he was absolutely determined to get back to, to, to becoming prime minister in order to avoid all of the charges of corruption against him. And so on and so forth. So to imagine, to imagine a state that does not have corruption at the highest level. You may have corruption among regular people like myself, like anyone who's very simple, but not at the level of the state. To imagine a state that can become the largest powerful state in the world in a very short period of time, building all of these submarines without support from America or or France, building space shuttles that can move way beyond what this the, uh, the current technology allows, building all types of educational system that allows uh, uh, a young person like Omair or like the brother here within a very short period of time to accomplish all the educational tasks and does not have to wait million years to become an engineer. Imagining all of this, that's a must. I have to draw an image. And if, if I don't draw this image and tell you about it, how are you going to be motivated about it? How are you going to be motivated to build Islam and to work for Islam and fight for Islam and die for Islam if someone like the Prophet ﷺ does not pass by Yasser and Sumayyah, tell them you are go, I will see you in Jannah. You know, sometimes when you are even in a company and comes the boss or someone, the VP or the president, he sees you, working somewhere, say, oh, you know, I really would like to see you in my office. I like you. There's something for you. You would be, you would be waiting when the secretary calls and says, now the president or CEO wants to see you now. It's a CEO. What can he offer you? But this is a simple example. When Allah Azza wa Jal, through the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, oh, I want to see you in Jannah. Then I would be even dying to die. You know, sometimes anxious, I'll be anxious to get martyred except that Allah Azza wa says don't do that. Don't be anxious to meet me. Be anxious to continue to do what is right and tell you. Otherwise, this is how the behavior will be. And when he talks to you about sometimes you know, as growing when we are younger than this, start thinking of my I call it my dream house. Oh, I want my house to have, let's say, this many rooms, this many uh, garden, this blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to, to build images. And once this image starts really bugging you, you will be working, instead of eight hours, you'll be working 10 hours. Instead of publishing two papers a year, like for myself and my university, I'll be publishing five more. So I get promoted and get money more. Instead of uh, doing one job, I'll do two jobs. Or three. Oh, I will have my wife work and my son work and everybody so we can get money to do that dream house. And it's a simple dream house. But then when Allah Azza wa talks to me about 
the palaces that are given to me without all of this type of uh, torture in this world, say, I have built already palaces with all types of gardens, with all rivers, with all the goodies, with all the furniture. He talked, actually, he talks about furniture. He talks about it has all types of uh, pillows, all types of rugs, uh, and all types of uh, servants who come to bring you the food. Every, I mean, he's telling me there is something being built. I want to work for that. So that's the issue here is there is something that forces me to do the work. It's not something to tell me, okay, just keep imagining. And that's, let me conclude by this, there is a difference between the imagination that you make or he makes or she makes and what the philosophers do. Philosophers, that's what they do. They sit, they relax, they smoke their cigars, have their coffee and keep imagining and writing, imagining and writing. And then when an image starts getting a little bit blurry, they scratch the paper and they write something else. And there is a problem in our in computer science. I teach computer science, which we talk, talk about the dining philosophers. Philosophers sit on the table and we have to program that. All they have to do all time along, there is food in front of the table with forks and the spoons. And they will be thinking who's going to get the fork first or the spoon because there is one fork on the right, there is another one on the left, a spoon. And if the guy on my right, he picked that fork first, then I'm left only with a spoon and I cannot, or with a knife, I cannot eat unless I have both. So they keep thinking all the time, how am I going to grab the, the knife and the fork at the same time so I can eat? And if you look, there are five of them there are five of them, and if three of them take these, the fork and the spoon, then the, the other two will not be will not be eating. And so that's that's a typical typical life of a philosopher: imagining, discussing, drawing images of the universe in their brains, which is good. They they can do that, but it's absolutely not realistic because it's not motivating. It's not inspiring. It's not calling for implementation. It does not show you the path to do. Whereas Allah Azza wa in the Quran, he draws you an image. He says, this is your target and this is how you achieve it. And this is what you do in order to achieve it. I want you to build a state where you have justice and this is how you can do that. And I can tell you what the obstacles are going to be in, in your way and how even to avoid them and how to, achieve, to, uh, to overcome them. And then once you do that, I will tell you what's the final objective of all of these. Final objective is that I will be pleased with you. And if I am pleased with you, I will give you all the things which I talked about in the Quran. It's all one chain of events and ideas and thoughts which are connected one to another that gives me inspiration at each and every step I walk in my life. That is the whole issue of what does, whether Islam allows or accepts or encompasses imagination or not. Islam is the father of imagination. Islam is the foundation of imagination, but it's the foundation of imagination that can be realized, can be achieved, and you can be rewarded for that.
stop right here. Assalamu alaikum Let's open your imagination for questions. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.